that? Hey. <laughs> what? What's so funny? Just, it seemed like you were entertained by that greeting. When you're entertained, I'm entertained. I'm so glad. Wow, it's like we're friends or something. It's almost like being in love. Oh, I was so grumpy, and then you called me a slut. I just feel so much better. <laughs> it's the power of the right word from the right person, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah, Slut recognizes slut. Except both of us are, well, you know, yeah, we can, we're still sluts. Yeah, both of us are, like, very set up with one person right now it's true but you know our particular fucked up qualities lend us to be sluts right we're inherently sluts even if we're not practically sluts there's healthy ways to be a slut for sure yeah listener you may be one of those people probably you are but hava and i we are unhealthy sluts yeah but i feel like i have it under control right now i don't want to stop <sighs> from whatever she's doing but it's making a lot of clanging okay yeah that's actually not that is let me show you is it the pupper? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I can live for another day. I've seen a cute dog. I'm like Shaharazad, except I have to see a picture of a cute dog every day to survive. Wow. The listeners, visual description Michael is showing me their girlfriend's really cute dog who is currently uh, licking clean a dinner plate, and it is precious yeah i mean he shouldn't be doing it but i just can't stop but him. who could possibly stand to stop him he's so cute he's got such a little nice snout and the whiskers really just put it over the top well michael hi how are you i'm doing good i'm i'm taking care of this dog right now um mm -hmm. licking some dinner plates i made some pizza last night it was good i went to five grocery stores yesterday to try to find mexican oregano do you know about Mexican oregano? Uh, yes, I know, because you were obsessed with finding it for that salsa you were making for me. Well, I was going to try to make the salsa. I made the salsa last night, but... You make this for all the bitches. I do, I do. You have one move, and it's salsa. I have, a, like, a handful of moves. One of them is salsa, for sure. And I couldn't find Mexican oregano. I went to four different, like, international grocery stores in East Boston. They didn't have it. I went to Jaws. They didn't have it. So I had to use regular oregano, and that made me sad. God forbid. But, you know. How do you live? Yeah, and this is where, like, Hava tells me about some traumatic thing in her past. <laughs> right. Much mm. worse than not being able to find Mexican oregano. See, the thing is, I have you trained. I don't have to make those comparisons anymore. Yeah, that's true. You just handle them all internally. I just feel guilty constantly around you. <laughs> Which is exactly what I want the tone for our friendship to be. Do you do this to your boyfriend, too? No, I don't. I'm just making fun of you for being dramatic, period. Oh, I yeah, was yeah. not internally making a comparison. I think you sometimes assume that I'm guilting you when and in fact, you're guilting yourself. Oh, but no, I do not do it to him. This thing that you're mentioning that I do. Oh, wow. Wow. Maybe this is, explains why I'm able to like hang with the queers because I beat myself up before they get a chance to beat me up. I want for you to not live that way. Oh, okay. I think there's like better, more joyful, emotional stances out there for you. But I love and support you exactly as you are. Okay, I was setting you up to say, no, Michael, it's because you are queer. Oh, I've. do I still have to say that? Yeah. Oh, it's because you're queer. It's because you're gay. Okay. Gay is coming back into style, you know. I just really want to be bullied and I want like a bunch of strong men to like, you know, kind of tossle me about a little bit and call me gay. I know. Yeah. Anyway. How, how are you? <laughs> 
Baruch Hashem, I'm well. I just got back from my morning walk and I was listening to friend of the show and dear sister of mine, Binya Koatz, who was on Judaism Unbound today. So I was very proud to hear her. I've been preparing for Shoma Allah's next class, which is A Nightmare on Helm Street, which is about an ancient Talmudic ritual for bad dreams. I'll put the link for registration in the description on that one. But yeah, I'm good. I'm well. I'm sort of like continuing to prepare to move in with the boyfriend, continuing to gather my letters for top surgery. I was just running around my house like a crazy person looking for the little bag where I store the charger for my clippers because personal info listeners, but I find that shaving my armpits creates too much razor burn. And so I just use little clippers and buzz them. And that feels like enough for me. So I use the clippers infrequently, like once a week, but then I never can find the charger when I need it because they stay charged for so long. That's my most recent and boring quest that I wanted you all to know about, apparently. But yeah, I'm good. I'm just, I'm excited to move in with the boyf. I'm excited. I'm going to take a, a big Sephora class in August and get top surgery. And, you know, everything's coming up, Chava, recently. You're taking a Sephora class? Yeah. In August, Sephora has a, I think it's called the Hardcore Talmud Intensive or something like that. It's like a daily really intense class that's going to go from August 9th till the end of August, I think. And I'm going to take it, which is nice because I'm like never the student, you know, always the teacher. So it's going to be nice to be the student for a little while and take some time to sort of just be like a recipient of learning and, and up my game. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's great. I'm excited. I was really nervous that I wouldn't be able to handle the time commitment, but some key figures in my life encouraged me to take the leap and I'm glad I did. That's cool. I've been drinking from the fire hose, making this Talmud website with this professor. Oh, right. Yeah. You've been deep in the Talmud. Deep, deep in like learning the logic and structure and historical layers and mm -hmm. putting labels to argument types. I love that kind of stuff. And I didn't appreciate just how complex the fucking logic gets. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very much like the real world you look at an object and then, you know, you can use a microscope to get down to look at the more mm -hmm. complex structures and then you can use an electron. It's just infinitely complex every direction, outwards and inwards. I mean, that's what, to me, makes the Talmud such a divine experience, right? Is that it's fractal. When we talk about the infinite complexity of Talmud, I think about the spiritual kind of big, vast existential things, but just like surface level basic logic Holy mm -hmm. shit, it is dense. Absolutely. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. So anyway, that's cool. That's cool. Hell yeah. Well, on that note, uh -huh. are you ready to dazzle both the listeners and myself with, uh, with a little glimmer of that infinite? Yeah, I'm a little scared, honestly. I hope I'm prepared Why? for this. I'm just hope I'm prepared. I don't know. I just feel a little insecure. Oh, it'll be one. fine. Okay, okay, okay. It's been a busy week for me of lots mm -hmm. of different errands. I failed at finding my Mexican oregano, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I wanted to find in the Talmud something to do with spices. Uh, yeah, I bet you were able to find quite a few things. Yeah, there's lots of things to do with spices. So I was searching around the Talmud, you know, mm -hmm. and I found that there was this conversation about tamura. Are you familiar with 
Tamurot. I'm not. I don't know what that is. What does it mean? There's a Masechet in Talmud called Tamura, and it means like exchange. Hey, this is one of those Masechets that I never like. Yeah. It, it very rarely comes up in my experience. Yeah, it's 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 a hard to explain, probably because I don't understand it. But there's some food that is only meant for the priests. You give it to the priests. It's sanctified for the temple, mm-hmm. and so you can have Tamura that's. A spice, for example, you can have tamora that's a wheat or, or something like that. I found this section of Talmud where it makes allusion to this rule that exists, where what happens if you have something that is tamura and it touches something that isn't? Can you still eat it? Mm. And there's this general rule. If the tamura touches something that is 100 times its volume, then it's mm-hmm. okay. So if you have a piece of lettuce, I don't know if lettuce can be tamura, but for this example, if you take a piece of lettuce and it falls on a hundred other pieces of lettuce that wasn't meant to be eaten by the priest, you can be like, ah, that stuff isn't spoiled, that's fine. Just remove mm-hmm. the piece of lettuce, you can still eat the lettuce. So this is about ritual impurity and temple stuff. This is part of an order of Talmud called Seder Kodshim that is mostly about temple stuff, which is why it's some of the less learned stuff. There's some stuff about the temple that is sort of like very popular in Talmudic scholarship, and then there's some stuff like this Masechet that has sort of just fallen by the wayside over the years. So we're talking about sanctity and contamination with regard to some specific kinds of temple stuff. Yeah, and how it affects non-temple stuff, if the two shall ever meet. Right. This is how I came across it. They were using the example of spice. And so I began to explore the doffs surrounding this dilution reference. And uh, let me take you to the beginning. Okay. We are on... Oh, my God. This dog is digging at my feet. Oh. So cute. Okay, hold on. This dog wants to get under the blanket. Oh. <laughs> I'm serious. Too tiny to exist. Can you see this? Yeah, I can see it. Can it's you see really this? Cute. <laughs> it's a little babushka. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. You are a lucky gay to be existing with that much cuteness. (laughs) Okay. Continue. So we are on Avodazara 65b. The unalterable Mishnah is saying, Zech hakalal kol shivachanato benotain ta'am asur kol she'ain. Bohanato Benotain Ta'am Mutar. I don't know if that was the right vocalization, but hopefully it was close to what it should be. Anything that benefits from the forbidden item imparting flavor becomes forbidden to eat. Got it. If it doesn't make the flavor better, it's permitted. Got it. So if I have some, like, Jesus mustard... And mm. I put on a sandwich. I can't eat that sandwich. Well, if we've all collectively halakhically decided that... That mustard is an improvement? Yeah, that mustard makes the sandwich worse. Mm. Then you can eat it. <laughs> uh-huh. That's the rub. So you can eat forbidden food. I'm not sure if this is forbidden in the kosher sense or just forbidden in the... Um, Avodazara sense. Yeah, in the Avodazara sense. I imagine it's in the Avodazara sense. Yeah, probably. Yeah, this is in the context of them talking about wine. Mm-hmm. Like wine that's been like dedicated for idol worship or something. Yeah, something like that. So if a drop of that wine falls on your like Reuben... 
Right. <laughs> can you eat the Reuben? And the answer to the question is the same answer to the question of does that drop of wine make the Reuben taste better or worse? If better, right. can eat the Reuben. But if worse, you can eat the Reuben. And there's no no answer for if neutral. Because that would be my answer. If neutral, you can eat the Reuben, I feel okay. like. Okay, yes. great, yeah. great. If neutral, you can eat the as far as I understand. What do right. you think of this, Hava? I mean, in some sense, it makes sense to me because there's this whole principle of sort of like not benefiting from certain forbidden things yes. in Talmudic law. As we talked about in our Capitalism of the Death Cult episode, imagine if this wine is sort of somehow related to those you know, death competitions. You don't want to benefit from that sort of unethical universe of shit, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. It kind of makes sense, like, in the way a lot of people think about things today, sort of like consumer politics and, you know, the idea that you vote with your wallet and you don't want to, like, benefit from multinational mm -hmm. corporations, you know, using child slavery to harvest chocolate, for instance, so I think there's something to be said for it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's my take of what the rabbis are trying to actually capture. You shouldn't be benefiting from a Vodazara. You shouldn't be benefiting from things that you've decided should not be part of your society. Right. Or, for instance, maybe related to the BDS movement. You know, some of us feel that the nation state is a form of a Vodazara. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not really a big fan of, uh, I mean, I do like contiguous, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm just going to shut up. I love that for you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> okay. So they go on and on and on and on and on and on. Let's skip ahead three pages. Now we're out of Vodazara 68B. Uh-huh. The problem the example of Hahu Akbara Dinafal Lohavita comes up. A mouse who falls into a wine jug. Okay, great. I'm imagining right now like those rattlesnake vodkas and tequilas or like scorpion where it's like there's like an animal suspended in it that's a supposedly a part of the brewing, except it's just a bottle of wine with a mouse in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mezcal with a worm, except wine exactly. with a mouse. Well, okay, so this is kind of, you know, it's a variant on the theme of stuff inside of stuff, which seems to be... <laughs> One of the main themes of Judaism. <laughs> stuff and stuff. Do we like it or do we not? Rob says this is forbidden. You can't drink wine that had a mouse in it. Mm -hmm. So Rav Sheshet says that Rav's argument, or Rav's argument would be, This mouse is kind of like a novelty. It's an exception to this general rule. Everyone is repulsed by a mouse, even though the mouse will probably impart a bad flavor onto the wine you still can't uh -huh. drink it because that's just disgusting <laughs> this is all making sense so far well it seems obvious to me that it would be undrinkable because of the trafe nature of the mouse yeah but if a drop of trafe falls into the wine but a mouse has more than a drop at this point it doesn't seem to be about the volume it seems to be about whether or not it makes the thing taste better or worse that seems to be the only principle on the table okay well, yeah, it definitely seems like a mouse would make it taste worse. Mouses, mice, meeses are gross. I mean, they're cute and they're adorable. And if you love mice, that's fine. But uh, I think from a taste standpoint, not great. Yep, yep, yep. There's a challenge. We learned in a Baraita that 
creeping things impart mm-hmm. impurity when they're moist, but not when they're dry. Mm. This is a challenge. Why is it a challenge? Because according to the last part that we just read, if a dry mouse fell in the wine, you still wouldn't drink it. It's still disgusting. Right. Because a mouse theoretically is in the category of a crawling thing, a sherets. So it's dry before it goes in the wine, probably. And so the wine should be okay to drink. And we need some reason other than just it's yucky. Right, 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 to right. To justify it in the minds of the rabbis. I don't know how they answer this question. At some point, Rava actually says, I have no idea how Rav justifies this. Like, he may just <laughs> fundamentally disagree with the Mishnah ruling that says, you know, if it tastes worse, it's okay. If it tastes better, you can't have it. Or maybe he thinks that mice enhance the flavor of wine. Rava is just saying, I don't know which one of those things Rav held by, but it must be one of them. Either way, he's a freak. Yeah, either way, certified freak seven days a week, wet-ass mouse makes that wine game weak. This isn't really resolved, but it all comes back around. Right, because we're still going to talk about Tamura and, and spices, right? Right, right, right. By the way, in this whole discussion that's happening, like mouse forbidden, not forbidden, why, why not? There's just this aside. Rav Shimi just says, hey, guys, why is a mouse repulsive? Like, aren't they a delicacy? (laughs) Don't like kings in a certain area of the world, like eat them as a delicacy? In some cultures, it's considered a delicacy to have a mouse in your wine. And then he answers his own challenge and he's like, oh, no, yeah, the delicacy is field mice. Field mice are really good. What's repulsive? Repulsive is city mice. Oh, of course. This is the first recorded instance of city mouse and country mouse politics. He could really be like a Republican senator on like the campaign stump. (laughs) Those East Coast liberal elite mice are disgusting. (laughs) Anyway, so we finally come around to like, okay, mouse is bad. Don't drink the mouse. But what volume of wine could a mouse fall into and it would be okay by dilution? Right. And so they say, well, it's got to be less than Tamura falling on non-Tamura stuff. Okay, got it. That's one in a hundred. So if a Tamura piece of lettuce falls on a hundred pieces of lettuce, just get rid of that Tamura lettuce and that other lettuce is good to go. There's some discussion, but the halakha rules that... 60 times the volume of a mouse. Right, I can visualize that immediately. Is the minimum volume of liquid required so that if a mouse were to fall into that liquid, it would nullify the fact that this trafe stuff fell into the liquid. As long as the wine is 60 times the volume of a mouse. As long as the wine is 60 times the volume of a mouse. Wow, I will keep that in mind. That is the many chunks and pieces of sugyas that I I attempted to weave together for you listeners. I wanted to say a quick thing. We have voicemail and emails and stuff from you guys, and it's a huge backlog. We're trying to figure out a way to get through it all. We haven't forgotten you. We read all of it, and we appreciate all of it. It's true. We think of you every day. I think we should start actually answering some of the listener stuff on the bonus apps, maybe doing more than one question at a time. We'll figure it out. Well, Michael, thank you for bringing this vital teaching about wine, 60 volumes, the amount of a mouse. I don't know a a nice way to, to put a bow on it, but it was a very fun journey. And it leaves me with many questions, like if a field mouse falls in, is it okay? 
What if I live in a culture that eats city mice? What if I'm just really into the flavor of mouse? Much to think about. Yeah. And if anyone can send me some Mexican oregano, uh, <laughs> that would be awesome. Right. I don't know quite how the spices ended up tying into this. You know, this is, this just happens. Just just what the journey you went on. Yeah. If you give a mouse a bottle of wine, he's going to want 60 times the volume of a mouse of wine. Listeners, thanks for joining us on this many a day. We love you. We celebrate you. If you're not already a member of our Patreon, join our Patreon to get access to twice as many delicious episodes. We love making them for you. Sign up for A Nightmare on Helm Street. The link will be in the description. And yeah, Shavua Tov. Shavua Tov. Bye. Bye. Bye.